0: Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson, 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 Carlson Hoj, här kommer Carlson, 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 Carlson. Ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson, det är jag så bra som mig Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson. Yes, welcome to, to the next episode
1: of Keeping Carlson, which is just a continuation of the previous episode. We're calling this part two of episode 476, as Brian and myself, Elon Dubrowski, will continue to dive into everything going on in the NHL that can be of benefit to you and your fantasy team. I'm talking injuries, I'm talking outjuries, I'm talking defense, that's where we're going to start. And uh, I'm going to have to change my voice to the excited voice because we've got an hour to get through a lot. Brian, how are you feeling? An hour into the show. We know the Timo Meyer trade. Is there anything else we need to know before we get fo- move forward, or do we have all the information we need?
0: I, I hope we have all... Like, everything is changing constantly. So I, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to keep one eye on Twitter as we record, but we will... Um We'll see. If you want to know more about those prospects in the New Jersey deal, by the way, EP uh, Elite Prospects has an unlocked blog post on them that they just tweeted out, epringside.com. That's a, usually a pretty good place to start. Also, you can go to their Dauber Prospects profiles, too. But a, a big win that uh, the Devils did not trade Nemich, uh, Holtz, or Mercer. Right, San Jose didn't mm-hmm. get any of their three top organizational prospects. You would have thought they would have gotten One. Yeah. I guess it's because Meyer's unsigned and that was part of the deal, but huh.
1: Yeah. I mean, for sure. And now imagine if New Jersey can sign Timo Meyer, I'm not sure. I haven't looked into their whole cap situation, but if they can now extend him, I feel like. The Devils don't need these picks, right? Like they've, they've got a good core set up and ready to go for the next few years. So this is going to be a very strong contender for a while now. Uh, so exciting for any New Jersey fan. And Brian, I, like I said, I wanted to start with like a bunch of defensemen on my mind. And let's start with one in Boston, who now I feel like Boston Bruins fans must be a little bit like unhappy with this trade because I think the Bruins are the favorites in the East right now. They've been having such an insane season. They're 45-8-5 and five now and they just traded for Dmitry Orlov. They got him and Garnet Hathaway from Washington and they gave a pretty price like a first second and a third in various years uh, in order to obtain uh, Orlov uh, but you know that's a, like a really key defenseman like he's not going to be great for fantasy like in the first game by the way no points for Orlov no power play time he did play shorthanded right so this isn't going to be someone that you're like in Washington there were times when Orlov was valuable in fantasy he would get some like secondary power play time uh, but now I think that he's pretty much just someone who's going to help the Bruins go on a cup run uh, but maybe just a general question at this point now Orlov off to boston you know meyer to new jersey who do you think is like the front runner in the east and of course then we've got tampa bay and toronto uh but like if you had to pick right now a team to come out of the east and i feel like the team that comes out of the east might be well then you have colorado on the other side but anyways just focusing on the east who's your front runner right now i guess it's tough it's pretty close it's
0: it's a gauntlet boston carolina new jersey toronto and tampa and heck i'll even throw the rangers in there those are the six top teams in the league by raw points actually vegas believe it or not by points percentage has snuck in there like and they had a like they've been pretty dismal for a bunch of the year and mark stone has been injured for so much of it and so is jack eichel so you gotta think bruce cassidy you know piggybacking off a bruins take here could be in the running for jack adams for getting this team into right into the thick of things I, I had no idea Vegas had crept all the way up and also with out Logan Thompson too like there's a lot of a lot of adversity they faced. Good um for them. yeah but going back to the east you know what any of these teams I like I could make an argument for a little less of an argument for Tampa and the Rangers than I could for the Leafs Devils canes and Bruins. Uh, But the Bruins have made it pretty clear they're the team to beat. They are basically lapping the next best team, which is New Jersey, in goal differential. They have scored 95 more goals than they've given up. New Jersey has scored 51 more goals than they've allowed. And Boston's home record is just insane. They have only lost twice in regulation at home this season. And so with home ice advantage in the playoffs, I, I mean... They're going to be against a really good team too. So it's going to be trickier than it was in the regular season. But if they can continue to just be as dominant as they've been, um, there's, there's a lot of reason to believe. I guess the, the worry is that like maybe they haven't really faced adversity this year. They haven't been tested too hard. But I think you're nitpicking. This has just been an amazing team. Uh, everyone's doing their job. And as you mentioned, they've just added uh, Orlov as a great piece on the back end. And Garnet Hathaway, who's not nothing, as like a bottom six checker
1: yeah by the way uh while you said that i was uh looking at twitter and listening to you obviously very carefully and a lot of people are just like saying that the sharks got like nothing in this deal like they're not happy with the return for san No, Jose. they got hosed so, yeah. So, I take it back. If I, I said, like, seems okay. I don't know. I thought a couple firsts is, is pretty good for a pending UFA, but I guess people well, were it's hoping only, for more. It's only
0: one first and a conditional first.
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't even know. I don't know what that means. I guess we have to, I have to read what the condition is. I'll do that yeah. after the show. But, yeah. It was also on Boston, by the way, we should mention, they also have Linus Allmark. So, not only have it's great defense, strong offense, they also have probably the best goalie of the season so far. Uh, he's had now five straight games, letting in one or two goals. He's a 938 save percentage. So... Uh, No fantasy, and like, and they have swayman also. (laughs) Like, even if something happens to Allmark, they still have a really good other goalie. Or, or if they like, you know, want to give Allmark a rest at some points, yeah, things are looking really good for Boston, which is very interesting. You're talking about how like Vegas, it's so impressive. Like, don't forget going to the season. A lot of people were worried about the Bruins. Like, they're older. Like, they had some injuries going into the year. Was like, is this team going to be able to keep up? And they're the best team in the league.
0: They've had Marshawn and McAvoy missing for a bunch. Taylor Hall has been like spiritually missing for a bunch of it too. So you can add that to the list of things. they've worked through it a very impressive and it's going to be exciting it's going to be really sad that half the teams in the east are gone after the first round and then you know like not to i, I don't want to you know really poo poo any team too badly but you know i'd rather see them than some of the west i, I won't name the west teams i guess but i'd rather see those east team, more of those east teams than deeper. some of the west yeah. teams that are likely to continue on
1: yeah of course okay uh so another defenseman on my mind bowen byram uh top power play yesterday over Devontae's with makar out though i'm seeing that makar could be back monday so this will be a short-lived thing but just interesting right because it seemed like Devontaeves was like the next in line to get top power play so all of a sudden byram got it he did well he got a power play assist on a ranting and goal in the win over calgary uh also byram had okay i wrote (laughs) i prepped for this like while the game was still going and byram already had three hits and four blocks so he was like already like having this amazing game fantasy wise let me just check in here at the final box score colorado won four to one byram ended the game with uh an assist four blocks and three hits okay so nothing more after i wrote it so i could cut this whole thing out but i won't because we said no edits uh but yeah i'm just really excited about Bowen byram he has eight points in the last nine games of course kale mccarr is returning so he's gonna lose that top power play but you just got to wonder, like, how, like let's say it news did come out. Just a fun thought experiment, which wouldn't be fun for Colorado fans. But like I say, it was announced that McCarr's like, out for the season, whatever. But it's like, you know, cap relief. Like, he'll be back for the playoffs. They get to pull a Kucherov or something. That would probably be even good news for Avalanche fans. Uh, but obviously, uh, we want Kel McCarr to be healthy. But like, assume McCarr was out of the picture for a bit. Like, would Byron just become like a top five defenseman in fantasy? Like, it seems like with this opportunity and while he's healthy, he's like similar to McCarr, right?
0: That's his pedigree. It wouldn't be surprising. I don't think anyone would rule it out. If Makar was out and Byron was healthy, maybe he could keep this up for as long as that is. We've heard Makar could return as early as, I think, Monday. So we'll see if that happens. He is uh, on my opponent's team in my next fantasy matchup, so I'm expecting Makar to be back just in time. But it's been great to see Byron, yeah, get some time to produce as the team's uh, number one power play quarterback and getting a little more time at even strength too. Um, he's been great. And not all of this, by the way, has come on the power play. Like just two of these uh, many points that <laughs> you, you put the numbers, but only two have come on the power play for Byram. So he's actually just getting in on a lot of even strength action too.
1: Yeah, he's really good. We have a question here, Jimmy Nitro's asking in the chat, like Byram or Girard? Byram to me. Like I yeah. think Girard is like solid, but I think Byram's the one with the big offensive upside here
0: yeah so long term i like byram if Makar's back in the lineup i might i might prefer gerard just because i think he's guaranteed a little more ice time and as i mentioned i think last week i just want whichever avalanche player is going to be on the ice the most often
1: hmm. okay f- fair enough I-, I would still go byram for what it's worth but yeah, it could go either way uh also i'll mention another goalie yeah,
0: I, me too it's pretty silly oh. to not go byram yeah the okay. upside is the upside is big.
1: All right, so we're on we're on the same page here. The rest of the show, let's see if we're on the same page for everybody. Uh, we had a couple disagreements, not even disagreements, because you basically convinced me as you always do. Uh, but okay, that's another goalie talk now. We talk, mentioned uh, Allmark in relation to Orlov. How about Georgiev in relation to Byram? What a like a smart pickup. This was, I think, Joe Sakic's last move as GM: the trade for Georgiev and sign him before he stepped down. What a what a smart trade, right? Like Georgiev's locked in three years times three point four mil kind of like you know vey Melka's contract which we're saying is like a pretty good value contract Georgiev's having an amazing season he has a 920 save percentage uh like meanwhile like look at like a team like edmonton who signed jack campbell to like more money for more years and he's absolutely imploding like am i right to be this impressed like i just feel like I, going into the year i was thinking like yeah Georgiev's nothing special it's kind of a risky move but i guess they i don't know good scouts or is it good luck I don't know. Very impressive. No nothing here, like anyone who drafted him because you were able to get him pretty late in drafts relative to, you know, like his value now. And so you, you were smart to get him, as was I think Joe Sak for uh, trading for him in the first place.
0: I actually don't think your gift went that late in drafts. I think a lot of people were pretty high on him going into the season and he went earlier than I was ready to take him up. Maybe somewhat foolishly going into the year. This has been the best play of Georgiev's career too. So I'm actually wondering, like, does that mean we should be impressed by Colorado, like, or or did they just get lucky? Because we've never seen Georgiev be this good. But I guess they saw something. Did they, they did their assessment? And you know, I think whether they got whether Colorado got lucky or not, that might be the name of the game. Like, look at what the Avs have done with Georgiev. Look at what Toronto has done with Samsonov and Murray. And I, maybe these teams are showing that they're they're onto something, right? Like you have a great offense, you're, you're a super well-rounded team. Try, try out some guys at goalie. Make some educated guesses. Don't invest heavily, you know, like some other teams out west in Western Canada did. And just, just, yeah, just roll the dice. And I guess like it's all about your pro scouting and how confident you are. And a lot of folks still aren't sure how, how accurately goalies can be projected, but this seems to be a pretty good path forward because you can make up for weak goaltending if the rest of your team is good. And then if you get a good one, you're you're golden. And if you don't, you still have some cash left over to try and patch up some other problems.
1: Yeah, and plus, like Colorado has, you know, Andunin in, in the minors who looked good in his brief uh, couple games. And, you know, Francois, he's hurt now. But, like, yeah, so I think Colorado made a, a good play there. I just wanted to throw that out there. Also, I'll mention another guy on Colorado that you may want to add that might be available to you. JT Comfer, super hot right now. He's been playing on the line with Rantanen and Evan Rodriguez, mainly, obviously, the you're interested in him getting exposure to Rantanen. Also, Comfer's been on the top power play in the last couple games. Arturi Lekanen bumped to the second power play. Uh, Lekanen obviously still plays with McKinnon at even strength so I'm definitely not saying like you know to go crazy and get rid of Arturi Lekkonen uh, both in good spots so Brian if you had to pick someone right now or maybe it's dumb maybe these like if this player or that player like first of all do you concur that like also by the way Colorado plays four times next week you should go grab JT Comfer if you can yeah. get him right if he's on a line with Ranton on the top power play like why not what are you waiting for
0: Yes, exactly. And if you want to know the answer of who I'd prefer between Comfer and Lekanen, I'll, I'll tell you, even though you didn't really ask. I'll take Comfer in the short term and Lekanen in the medium long term. I see him most likely to, to have like good deployment you know, two or three weeks from now relative to Comfer.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Eventually, we hope, if you're an Avs fan, that Landis comes back. And obviously, he would take that spot on the power play. And Lecknen would probably still be playing in the the top six. So that that makes sense. Uh, Let's go to the next defense. I want to bring up Aaron Ekblad, who's also been getting top power play, just like JT Confer, just like Bo and Byram lately. But unlike those two guys, Ekblad is just doing nothing pointless in his last six games he's taking a lot of shots which makes me think you're gonna say like don't worry about it but man if you're an Ekblad manager right now you're probably worrying about it a little bit because this is a guy who we like went into the year expecting him to be like like last year Eckblad had 57 points in 61 games it's a 77 point pace right this year he's on a 44 point pace like he's been a shell of what people were hoping to get when they drafted him so I'm assuming you're gonna say we should expect better moving forward but i'm curious to know if you have any idea of like why things have gone so badly for him so far and especially lately
0: yeah lately it's probably just been bad luck but that also tells the story of why on the whole ekblad season hasn't been as great as we'd hoped um 44 point pace for ekblad and it's back to the bad old days for him um he has 13 power play points so that's not the problem for ekblad i mean not completely he's pacing for five fewer power play points over 82 games than he was last year but That's not such a huge deal. That's not making the whole difference between 70 point Ekblad and 44 point Ekblad. The trouble has been at five on five, where Ekblad is down 60 seconds a night. That's one thing, a little less opportunity to put up points. But when he's on the ice, things are not going well for him. Uh, He's participated on just 27% of the goals scored while he's on the ice at five on five, which was actually common for Ekblad in the earlier part of his career. But We've seen him be more involved over the over the past couple of years, so I'm not actually sure if that's unfortunately or, or like bad variance, or he's just reverted back to the player he was. We'll have to like watch another season of Ekblad to figure that out. But for now, I'm considering it unlucky for him. He's also shooting just three percent this season versus shooting seven or eight percent the last two seasons, and his teammates with him on the ice are shooting just eight percent this season compared to nine or more over the last several seasons Uh, so (laughs) it's hard because we've seen two different Aaron Eckblads right and we were really ready to welcome the latest Aaron Eckblad the one that we've seen for the last couple seasons to be like yes this is him this is that prospect that we once hoped would develop and now his numbers have reverted back to the guy he was before that and we're trying I'm trying to figure out okay is this bad luck now or was it good luck the last couple years? I'm leaning towards that first explanation this is just unfortunate variance for Ekblad in this moment, but it's something to keep an eye on. But Elon, I think under normal circumstances, I'd expect Ekblad to at least, and this is a low bar, to at least be pacing for 50 points and still have that 60-point upside when things are going better on the ice around him, which I expect is still going to happen, but like I said, I can't be 100% certain.
1: Yeah, my gut is that, He'll bounce back, yeah, like I think you're saying. And I think that the shots that he's been taking lately are, like, the one thing that keep me... Oh, yeah, his his shot rates are going...
0: Yeah, like, per 60, those are going great. He's actually increased those over recent years, too.
1: Yeah, so if you haven't passed your trade deadline yet in your league, like he's someone that I would be interested on in seeing, like what you can get him for. Like maybe you don't have to give too big of a package, and it might be a good time to get him, especially like a keeper league. Uh, anyways, also on Florida, so we got some news here. I'm going to go to gamedaytweets.com and go to the revamped news section where now I could just click on Florida Panthers to get my news on all the new, all the players here because Barkov has been out. Bennett has been out. The latest tweet I'm seeing here from George Richards. Uh, I'm saying, here's what I got from Paul Maurice this afternoon. Sasha Barkov is out Tuesday at Tampa, but is likely to return Thursday versus the Preds. We'll know about Sam Bennett tomorrow. So uh, I guess a short term maybe for Barkov and then Bennett not as short term. We'll have to see the lines without Barkov or Bennett at practice today, or I guess yesterday were uh, Kachuk, Lundell, and Reinhardt. So before, if you recall, it was Barkov with Lundell and Reinhardt. So I guess Kachuk is taking Barkov's spot, Lundell going to center. Then Anthony Duclair, who recently came back, has been playing on a line at practice with Verhage and Luster Reinen, which is not too exciting. But of course, if Bennett comes back or Barkov, you know, that that could be improved. So we're still waiting to see, like, who Duclair is actually going to play with once we have a fully healthy lineup. But a lot of people who drafted Anthony Duclair are, like, finally got their chance to get him in. And they're probably happy with the result. Because in his first game versus Buffalo in a three to one loss for florida but that one goal from florida was assisted by anthony duclair and he also had four shots he didn't play too much power play but it's hard to read too much into it just because it was his first game back who knows also five hits which duclair is normally not a big hitter so it's like a very nice return for duclair and for people who have held him this whole time hopefully a sign of things to come and for people who have been free agency maybe a sign that you should grab him but at the same time like I'm saying, like you know, these line mates of practice aren't don't look that great. Not being on the top power play doesn't seem that great, but it, it's possible that like by next week he's playing with Barkov, and you're really excited to have him.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you you covered it. I think the five hits thing. I feel like any guys in the NHL they like to you know that's how they get back in the game. That's how they show they're healthy and ready and test themselves, and show everyone around them, like, yeah, okay, I'm good to go. So I don't know if those hits will keep up, but a nice spot to land in the lineup for Duclair with Reinhardt and Lundell, and we'll see what happens when Barkov is back. In the meantime, though, let's uh, let's give a shout out to E2 Terainin, who's playing on what I'd consider the top line in Florida with Matthew Kachuk and Carter Verhage. Uh, luostarinen has been on our radar a little bit through the season uh he's a 24 year old finn he was drafted 42nd overall by carolina back in 2017 and he's got nine points in his last nine games 17 shots averaging 16 and a half minutes and he's been a great stand-in for barkov who's been like in and out again and i think louis renan is worth a look for every night that barkov is out of the lineup i think he like he to me he's worth a stream with Like I said, he's been a point-per-game player over his last nine, largely because he's been stepping in for Barkov. So he's someone that uh, I have on my watch list, and I'm always ready to hit the add button if Florida's playing, and Barkov isn't. So uh, really uh, really nice to see someone there step up in Florida that we can see enter the top six and consider fantasy relevant while he's there. And also, by the way, shout out to uh, permanent top sixer in Florida or top line player Carter Verhage. 20 points in his last 17 on Fuego, 12 goals and eight assists. And you might think, oh, 12 goals in 17 games? Well, that's not sustainable. Ah, he's taken enough shots. He's taking like four, sh- oh, more, more than four shots per game on average in this stretch, which means that he's converted on about 16.5% of his chances, which is not unreasonable to keep up for Connor Verhaeg. That's actually like barely above his career shooting percentage. So huge, huge run for Carter Verhage.
1: Yeah, uh, good job for Verhage and anyone who held on to him when he was a bit cold at the start of the year. Brian, uh, someone else who is super hot that we already talked about on the show, but I just want to circle back for a second. Tommy Novak just scored a goal for uh, Nashville. So I don't know if that changes how many, anything.
0: How you. many shots does he have tonight? Three shots. Oh, this goal
1: was Novak assisted by Granlin and Duchesne. Okay. I don't know. I does. I think I'm still kind of interested right. I'm, in him. I'm
0: going to say I'm, I, 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 Yes, I am still interested, too. My interest level is higher than it Ooh. was an hour ago. How okay, about we that?
1: We've got 16 minutes to go. Let's let's see how high we can get this interest level by the end of the game. By the way, speaking of this game, it's Nashville versus Arizona. Another defense I want to ask you about, uh, Shane Gossespierre, like Duclair, has come back fra- from an injury. Gossespierre obviously played a lot this season, really like raised his profile. What the heck is going on with Arizona not playing Gospahare on the top power play? like it's been Valamaki still on the top power play, which is sure, great for Valamaki. exciting, maybe someone you want to be watching in fantasy, and we talked about him last week. he's been okay I gets an assist every once in a while, but like i well like i okay he's Gospahare is a free agent. Like I assumed he was on the block and you'll want to trade him. And so isn't a good way to like raise someone's value is to give him good deployments. We so could get lots of points and get teams interested in him. Like, I just don't get it. Like I, ha- I obviously I I'm upset because I have him in a couple leagues. Yeah. And I was going to say
0: you should have, you should have qualified. You should have run that disclaimer before you <laughs> got deep into this.
1: But was I wrong to assume that gossip hair would take, he's been top power play all season. Like with Chikrin there, he was even, they shared top power play and now Chikrin is out and they decide that Valimaki is good. Look, Come on. Come on. I'm, 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 we're playing a game here. <laughs> I'm like doing my best. Okay. In my dynasty league. I, he's a rental, right? Because he's UFA at the end of the year. I traded some prospects to get, you know, because I'm going on a run here. Thought, like, give me a top power play defenseman get that get out of here Arizona you dry, you already did this to me with vaymelka he was supposed to be your volume star and all of a sudden out of nowhere now it's like Connor Ingram plays half the games now you're doing this to me with Gosses fair I hate the coyotes they suck okay
0: well here's the thing they're they're not putting gossipssosphere on the top unit for the same reason that Shikrin's not in the lineup like every I think we know. Who these guys are, Andy in the chat is saying Ghost is a known quantity by now, and that's it. Like, I don't think Arizona gains anything from putting Gossip spare on their top power play, whose value is not going to change day-to-day from being there, and in the meantime, like, they, their pro- their organizational priority is likely to figure out, yeah, what do we have in use of Valamaki, uh, who has been, well, like, on and off again, right? Like, barely helpful or productive. Interestingly, uh, Valamaki is one of few players he's played over half the team's penalty kill minutes tonight. And that doesn't seem to be anything he's ever really even nearly done before. So we'll see if that, that continues being a trend as well as they test him out in that role. Uh, Goss's by the way, Elon, he has a goal tonight on four shot. So he's not letting that power of play quarterback job having escaped him, meaning that he's not getting any points. Oh, that was such a mangled way of saying at least he's producing without being on the top power play for Gosses Bear. But I think you're just going to have to be patient and see where he ends up. And I get, and I hope it, do you have him on the team that I'm playing against next week? Yeah. And I just dropped Sean Dursey. I hope hope he runs into some visa issues on his way to his new home.
1: Well, it'll open up a streaming spot for streaming and goalies, I guess. Uh, Oh, Oh my God, Brian, Roman Yosi just scored a power play goal from the top power by, play assisted by Tommy Novak who's on the top power is. play with him interest level higher pause the pod pause the pod to grab
0: Tommy Novak well here it is the, <laughs> but like here's the thing uh what's what's the shot count in this game because Nashville once again has fi- okay they're playing Arizona although like Ingram and Vemelka have both been pretty good but how many shots does Nashville have tonight
1: Looks like twenty six shots, and they've scored twenty six shots,
0: and they've scored five goals. So there it is; they're shooting twenty percent again. This can't go on, (laughs) Brian.
1: I brought this up a couple episodes ago, right? I'm a simple guy. Okay, I'm not like you. I'm not looking into how many shots the team is shooting. I'm like I, you know, I like my porridge in the morning. I have my cereal at night, and give me a top line, top power play player on a hot streak. So I'm interested in Tommy Novak, regardless of whatever how many shots Nashville's taking. So that's just me being basic, but that's how I play. And I'm losing a couple, but I'm doing okay in my other two leagues. So take that for what it's worth.
0: You are the reigning world's ultimate fantasy hockey champion. So there is something to be said for the way you interpret data. (laughs)
1: I'll be honest. I've never looked at the team's shooting percentage, but uh, maybe I should. Maybe I should look at it more often
0: maybe you should i mean like, you look at it every week with me when i talk about on ice shooting percentage
1: i guess yeah but i was looking from the players standpoint but i guess yeah that is kind of like while wow, the players on the ice is more of a team yeah. thing yeah true 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 uh brian we still have some more defensemen i wanted to talk to you about and then i've still got some hot streaks and cold streaks we'll see how many we can get to uh but let's take a quick break first you're listening to Keep carlson all right, we are back. And yeah, Brian, okay, so I talked about how Ekblad was cold. I talked about how Gosses Beher, I guess he's not cold, in a weird spot. Uh, how about uh, another guy who's super cold, Moritz Cider, cold again. Uh, like Ekblad, someone drafted super high in leagues. He disappointed us for a while. Then he started heating up, so we were able to say on the podcast, oh, congrats to anyone who bought low on Moritz Seider. Your patience has paid off, and now you're going to ride into the sunset and have an amazing fantasy asset. no. Pointless in five games now. Like, and it was scorching for a month before that. So is this, again, like Ekblad, just sort of like you're going to say maybe recently this is just a luck thing? Or has something happened? Like, uh, Detroit, I should mention, plays five times next week. So if anyone has been frustrated and dropped cider, I mean, next week would be the week to have him and get five games potentially. But yeah, curious to get your take on this cold streak.
0: I'm not too worried about it, although I was worried for part of it when Moritz Cider had a six-game stretch that wasn't... he wasn't pointless throughout the whole six games, but it was still very recent. He had a stretch where he had just two shots total combined in all the six games added together. So that's a lot of zero shot games and two one shot games. And then Cider took three shots against Tampa on Saturday night, which is uh, refreshing and a bit of a relief to see Cider had been blocking and hitting in the meantime for anybody who's still looking for some kind of value from him. So he was providing it, even though he wasn't shooting or scoring, um, and then, you know, Elon. i looked to see what the team was doing and how their shooting and scoring was doing. Detroit has been scoring too. And Sider's been on the ice for eight goals during this pointless drought, but he has not gotten a point on any of them. Normally, he would participate in like three or four of those goals. So I'm going to say no big deal for Sider, though I do hope he keeps shooting. I don't want to see him go another six games with only two shots on goal.
1: Yeah, by the way, Rasmussen got hurt in the last game. So going into this five-game week, uh, I would take a look I mean maybe like the Red Wings are going to fly off your shelves in your league and you won't have time to like wait and see about the curious to see the lines on Monday uh, also I think Lucas Raymond might be back or the news is he's going to be back kind of soon so you might have to rush to get Red Wings but I'd obviously want to see what the lines are going to be and obviously in five games in in like seven days it's possible lines can change so also don't get like too married it's like a, if you see like Kubalik or whatever playing with Larkin that could like change in like half a game so be careful and also I mentioned a matchup Maximizer just because they don't get too distracted by five games right because like i said this next week has three busy days and detroit plays on all three of the busy days so you're only getting two off day games so if you add a detroit player make sure it's not just to be on your bench for three games when you could get like a vegas player who plays four times but it, that's all covered in the other show which yeah i don't I, but i know people are probably saying look guys you drop a lot of shows on us i don't have time to listen to all of this but i don't know. figure it out that's not our that's a you problem not a me problem okay all right okay we're doing more defensemen here tyson barry brian man what a draft steal to anyone who got he fell so far in drafts after being so disappointing last year barry now has eight points in his last six games 18 shots in that span so it's like three shots per game on average what like what happened like i felt like it was so obvious that barry was kind of on his way out uh you know we've already talked about who how bouchard is like basically nothing now like he's totally fallen off as someone who people were super excited to draft this year he was bouchard was getting drafted ahead of barry big mistake barry's amazing once again,
0: big mistake, except it wasn't a mistake at the time because we didn't know who was going to be on the top power play and on that Oilers blue line, it really is top power play or bust. Barry's career has been, well, he was on the top power play forever until that stretch in Edmonton, but top, top power play or bust for Barry. His five-on-five five scoring... Is actually as bad as it was last year. So he hasn't gotten better there. It's truly that playing in Edmonton with the man advantage is everything. Barry has 28 power play points in 60 games, which means he's basically putting up a power play point every other night on that top power play unit, which is shooting 22%, which normally I'd be like, oh, I don't know, but we've, we wave. All expectations for this unit. If they want to go on a heater for 82 games over the course of several years with Cell and McDavid, then we're just going to say, yeah, they deserve it. Uh, Barry himself has four goals, which is a nice little cherry on top of his production. Uh, he is on a power play that has been crazy good. Barry has been a productive part of it. And that's the story.
1: Yeah. And Brian, you're being charitable to us by saying, like, we didn't make a mistake because we didn't know at the time. You know I mean, I guess you could say that about all all these fancy decisions, right? Like when when, when I guess you, it only counts as a mistake if it's like you knew that he was going to be good and you still didn't take him, or like or if we knew he was going to be on the top power play. Like, I'm just curious to know, or am I being like a nitpick here and I should just move on? Or what am I even talking about?
0: I'm not trying to avoid like culpability here, Elon. Like yeah, we did we did make a mistake, except like we projected Barry being off the top power play. I think that's what I was going to say, and we were wrong about that. I don't think we were. I think every this doesn't absolve us of anything and we were all wrong about it though it wasn't like a hot take from us that evan bouchard was gonna quarterback the top unit that tyson barry's days there were done but i guess what happened was edmonton remember at the start of the season was like okay we either use tyson barry there and get our money's worth or we ship him off and i guess they chose the, the 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 former of those options
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's, like, doing a podcast like this is just interesting overall, just because it's, like, we're kind of, like, trying to predict the future, and so we're going to be wrong sometimes, and, yeah, it's, like, how much of it is, like, I guess it just comes down to, like, uh... I don't know, the process, I guess, at the end of the day, right? And if people, like, respect the process that we go through. Uh, But yeah, anyways, anyone who drafted Barry, congratulations. You made a very smart choice. If you drafted Jack Campbell, not as smart, man. Oh, my goodness. Four goals against or more in each of his last four games. He was pulled versus Columbus on Saturday. Stuart Skinner led in two in relief and had two good games beforehand. The pendulum just keeps swinging back and forth between these two. I don't even know if I want to say, like, go and rush to grab Skinner now, but I will say that maybe it's time to drop Campbell. Like, he's definitely not someone i'm interested in kind of like a carter Hart at this point
0: yeah well well the team scores would, more goals better chance yeah to win. <laughs> yeah exactly so i wouldn't say like a carter Hart, and it's like the pendulum is swinging but like campbell keeps like batting it back towards Stuart skinner <laughs> actively with the way he's playing so i i don't see why the oilers would have any faith in jack campbell and at this point um their playoff hopes and their play then their stanley cup hopes are too fragile to be derailed by an unreliable goalie. So I think they give him some time, they let him get it they let him try and get right, they play Skinner a bunch, they see if they can get one good started to Campbell, then maybe they can get two, maybe they can get three, but he really hasn't accomplished that very often this year. So Stuart Skinner, if you were able to pick him up in that lull where Campbell did have the crease, then you should be happy. Like for me, if I'm running Edmonton, which I'm not clearly, and I never have been clearly. Um, <laughs> you want to like I, mention that, like you want to say it, like you don't <laughs> want the embarrassment
1: of like admitting that you were running Edmonton today.
0: Recently. <laughs> uh, I would just, I would Skinner would be my starter. He'd start at least two out of every three. And that would be that. That's how I get my team ready for the playoffs.
1: I mean, yeah, that definitely makes sense. I saw some tweets recently about how, like, Edmonton is saying that they're not planning on making a big move at the deadline. There's a lot of people upset about it. It's like, another year wasted with McDavid. Well, and, and Trisaitl. They wanted <laughs>
0: Carlson. Like, they spent hours. Like, I think they spent days. Like, I don't listen to Edmonton sports talk radio, but I'm going to guess just from, like, the chatter I saw on Twitter, like, there were articles upon... Like, there, were, there was at least a week, maybe two weeks worth of articles about, first, should the Oilers be interested in Carlson, Uh, And then how could they make it work? And then would San Jose do the deal? Like they went through the whole cycle. And it never seemed to be like a terribly realistic thought. And now everyone's disappointed that it seems unlikely that the Orleans are going to make a Carlson acquisition happen. But I'm sure it was fun for everyone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe they would have had some cap space to spare if they didn't sign Jack Campbell. But, you know, lesson learned. Move move on. Okay, so we'll move on also to the next defenseman I wanted to bring up. Mike Matheson, who was talked about on short shifts. But I want to bring him up again to get your take uh, because he has nine points in his last nine games now. And in his game versus Ottawa on Saturday, Matheson had six shots and a goal Montreal lost the game but Matheson another like really amazing uh, stat line uh, Matheson is pacing for 52 points on the season now if you were to play all 82 games which obviously is missed time uh, but yeah 52 point pace nothing to sneeze at and it's like rising pretty quickly I'm curious to get your take of, like, what kind of ceiling are we expecting from Matheson moving forward and like both for this season where the halves are kind of shorthanded but also like I'm wondering even to start looking ahead like it seems like he'll also be the top power play quarterback next year like maybe Caden Gooley will one day gets it or someone else that they draft. But like for now he seems to be their guy. And like next year, once they have everyone healthy, like doc Caulfield, maybe Bedard is in the lineup. I don't know. Like uh, things could, like this is a guy who might be on the precipice of having some value. Maybe if you're in a keeper league and you're like already out of it, or like if you're in it, you know, cause he's also valuable now. I just feel like Matheson is someone I'd be very interested in trying to acquire right now.
0: Matheson was dropped in my cuckup full division before that like long all-star break that was a little longer or more uneven for the Habs and I was able to grab Matheson somehow like I think I just like stumbled upon him at the right time before anybody else realized like oh my gosh he's a free agent uh, and I am so happy I did by the way shout out to the Habs as a team uh, we thought when Cole Caulfield was done that they were done they scored 33 goals in their last nine games, and the Habs have it, go you go back a bit further, and they did struggle to score in like the the immediate few games after Cole Caulfield was out. But since then, they've been doing great. The Habs have actually outscored their opponents 33 to 30 in their last nine games, and have won five of nine. The team is shooting 13, percent which is a little high, but not abs- not as absurd as as, uh, as Nashville. And they're winning while their goalies have been putting up a combined 8.94 save percentage Uh, the Habs are not getting caved in each night and this is uh, that in itself is kind of impressive it's too bad for the tank but uh, the Habs are getting some miles out of the players that they do have uh, and they also have a Dennis Gurianov coming into the picture too but first um, for Matheson I actually think he looks pretty comfortable right around where he is which is I think he said a 52 point pace that to me just seems right Uh, I'm looking at Most of his numbers, they generally look like acceptable, no weird spikes, and nothing stands out to me. I think uh, even without Caulfield, um, if Montreal can keep scoring goals, and they probably won't keep scoring quite at the pace, like they're scoring almost four goals a game right now, that seems unsustainable. Um, So maybe Matheson's production will dip a bit as the team's shooting percentage regresses as a whole. But I like what I'm seeing from him. So I'm assuming he's just going to be a hold the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, really good move, Brian, to pick him up there for sure. And yeah, Gurianov for Dodonov. Uh, I don't know, probably not much fantasy relevance, but we'll see what uh, Dodonov does on That's Dallas. A big,
0: yeah, I well, so actually, that was my first thought, and then I was like reading a few other people's thoughts, and everyone was like, "Okay, let's see what Gurianov can do in Montreal." Oh. It was more <laughs> about yeah, I know it was more about the reverse because we've given up on Gurianov, but he's always had these numbers that look like they should turn into something and haven't, and it's not. Not everyone's going to be in Nachushkin, right? But Natushkin's just another example. Someone who was in Dallas, was unlocked elsewhere. I don't know that Gurianov's upside is as high as Natushkin's and he's ever shown quite as much skill or flair as Natushkin has, but this is going to be an opportunity for Gurianov to prove himself, and I'm sure the Habs won't mind if he gives them a little more offense. So he's someone I'm at least uh, keeping maybe not on my watch list. Yeah, I'm going to put him on my watch list. I'm going to do it right now. Gurianov to the watch list.
1: But what about Dodonov, not going on the
0: watch list? I don't think so. Like, where do you think he'll help produce from in Dallas? I mean, I think that Dallas
1: has spots, right? Like, like, their lines are the top line, and then, like, all the other lines are, like, well open. Like, you know, Sagan is playing with Faxa and Marchment, so I don't know if Dodonov could take the Faksa yeah. spot. Like, so Ben and like, Dylandria and White Johnson, so Dylandria could... I don't think yeah. Dylandria. D- Ty Dylandria. Dylandria. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I well, I, th- I I just look at Mason Marchment, right, as my sort of standard. And it's like, okay, he's someone who had some good numbers under the hood and should have done well, but hasn't. And so do I think Dodonov can do better than that from a place where Marchment is or, like, no better than that in all likelihood? And no. But you know what, Elon? Just for you, I've added Dodonov <laughs> to my watch list as well.
1: I'm pretty confident neither of these people will be on yours or anyone's roster in your division come like the playoffs
0: that is the most likely scenario <laughs> uh
1: okay another defenseman oh yeah i want to bring up Adam Bokvist, who's injured apparently so he had another good week by the way this week i think we talked about him last week and i was just kind of bringing him up i was like you know, he's on a bit of a run he's on the top power play uh he's now up to six points his last six games uh he actually if you look at Bokvist' season overall uh he had six pointless games to start the year and that's like with like, it was like three games and a big injury then another three games. Uh, but then after that, 15 points in 21 games, which is like a 60-ish point pace. Obviously, very small sample size. Bogus has been looking good, uh, but I, he's injured now. And actually, uh, Nick Blankenberg, friend of the show, Norm here is in the chat. So Norm's cousin Blankenberg was on the top power play today for Columbus. No points. But if Bogus ends up being out for a while, then uh, yeah, take a look at Blankenberg if you want a top power play QB. Um, I don't know. Anyway, Brian, are you any more interested in Bokvist as the streak? It's kind of like a Novak situation. Like maybe as more points come, now you're like a little bit higher on him?
0: Yeah, a little bit higher than the last time we spoke about him. Uh, like I, you, the last time we spoke about Bokvist, it was, yeah, he teases and then he disappears. And then I just, you know, to prep for this episode and doing my research as I always do. Um, of course. Bokvist, I, I was trying to think of an adjective that was better and it didn't come out. So it was just a useless sentence. But bokevist uh, hasn't gone more than two games, two consecutive games without a point since late December. That's a long time. That's a great. This is like, this opens my mind to the possibility that Adam Boakvist could maybe produce semi regularly. Maybe he could be a 45 point play, player. Maybe there's upside for more. Maybe he is rounding into his own. Last time we talked about him, we also noted that though he's been in the league for what feels like a, a good deal of time already, Boakvist is still young enough right like he's he turns 23 in august and he's a defenseman so defensemen take time take longer to develop than forwards and in a regular development curve it's not abnormal to see a defenseman round into form and as they approach their mid-20s we see the elite guys do it sooner but they're elite and i'm not suggesting bogfist is there so yeah maybe there is something to this
1: okay yeah so if he's available in your league now you can add Adam Boakfast and put him in your IR. You don't even have to use a spot on him right now. And you can grab someone else and then you have Boakfast for when he comes back. So we'll see. And in the meantime, maybe grab Blankenberg, depending on who's available in your league. Brian, hey, we got some information here. I'm seeing Shams retweeted on Game Day News NHL, the conditions. So it's actually so the Devils get the one first round pick for sure. And the second first round pick that's conditional is only if the Devils make the Eastern Conference finals in this or next year and Meyer plays enough of the games otherwise it's a second so an even worse trade for san jose once we find out the condition because they need to cheer for the devils to do well basically
0: yeah like i'm seeing like i'm sort of following on twitter and everyone is kind of realizing like the devils gave up like nothing real like nothing of terribly real value like a late first rounder anything outside the top 10 you know then you well okay you you see when you look at the value of first round picks like of course it's really high at the start and then it goes down a bit, and it goes down a bit. It's like tiers, right? You've got your your top group, then you've got your top ten, then maybe your top fifteen, top twenty, but it like really dips as you get to the end of the first round. It's pretty much on par with a second round pick, or even like better than a third round pick, but still not substantially better. So, um, they're not worth a whole lot, those first round picks from teams that are gonna finish in the top five of the league. But this is how it always happens. Right. I remember being underwhelmed by the Sens return for Eric Carlson and Josh Norris turned into like a heck of a player. And I think that saved that saved that largely saved the deal. And someone else, I don't know if it was in the chat or where I saw it. Well, They
1: got Stutzla also in that trade. Right. They got that that pick. Pretty sure the Carlson deal, they got Norris and they got uh, the pick that turned into Stutzla. You huh. have to look that up now. But it, was, it, was yeah. a, it turned out in okay. to be a very good trade.
0: <laughs> yeah, No. I and I feel like I should know that off the top of my head too. But there was also like the Duchesne deal where the Sens, it was a similar deal, right? Yes, that is what happened because I remember when the Sens traded Duchesne, they traded a pick that ended up being Bo Byram. And it was like, oh, we didn't know we'd be this bad.
1: (laughs) Like, we thought we were improving our team. Well, exactly. That's why the Sharks, yeah. But I don't
0: see that happening with the Devils here. Like, that seems... That would be shocking. That would be, like, so shocking. And it wasn't so shocking when it happened to Ottawa and then San Jose. So, yeah, bad. But also, Elon, isn't this, like, always the way it is? Like, when does a star player get traded at the deadline for, like, a really meaningful return? i
1: don't know eric carlson <laughs> i don't know i think a, about it's always it. just yeah. a
0: bunch of like it's a, it's always a bunch of futures that may or may not turn out to anything
1: yeah and to be fair San i was gonna lose them for nothing so i guess we'd have to know what the other offers were but anyways okay i had so much to get to so i don't know why i went back here again but we getting new information we got to share it of course it's shams's fault for retweeting it um okay brian i still want to get to some more defensemen and some outries and some hot streaks and cold streaks all in the final stretch of the show so we'll see what we can do here uh we'll talk to you all soon you're listening to kevin carlson Okay, we are back, Brian. So, the other defenseman that I wanted to talk to you about are. Ugh, I hate this. I have to bring up Cam Fowler's hot again, okay? And I know, like, he has had an assist in the 3 2 win over Carolina yesterday, uh, which brought Fowler to eight points in his last six games are we falling for this again? Like he, he's he been going running super hot. Then I add him. Then he goes cold. Then I drop him. Then he goes hot again. Very, it's very like, uh, this is why I, I won the couple last year and I'm doing so badly this year. I'm just off. My timing is off. And like with camp Fowler specifically, I've added him two times off of hot streaks and then he's done nothing for me.
0: Yeah, he's like uh, he—he's like my version of Mikael Granlund. Who, you know, I add when he does nothing, or Dawson Mercer, even. Like, I—I I just keep getting him at the wrong times, and that happens with a streaky player like Cam Fowler. And I think what we're seeing happen is he's hot now, he'll go cold, then he'll get hot again. And you're just—you're basically playing the lottery anytime you add Cam Fowler. It could be worth a shot depending on your circumstance, but absolutely nothing is ever guaranteed. And and you shouldn't kick yourself for dropping him either because he's so so useless when he's not on one of these hot runs
1: yeah and also by the way Klingberg scored in that game versus Carolina after uh, missing a couple games so Klingberg actually has eight points in the last eight games so really upping that trade stock unlike uh who uh, I don't know anyways I don't know I have to go back to that but yeah Klingberg looking like maybe now uh, Anaheim will be able to get something for him at the deadline because he's uh getting some points now so good for him by the way I keep talking about this game against Carolina Like, let me repeat that. Anaheim beat Carolina and it wasn't because they outplayed Carolina. It's because John Gibson stopped 50 of 52 in the win. Just an insane performance from John Gibson and like good for him, right? Like he's gone through such a ringer. He also stopped 41 of 43 in the previous game. So Gibson just doing the best he can to help Anaheim potentially lose out on Bedard. But uh, yeah, like some big games like... He's like super risky to roster because of all those shots against and he sometimes gets blown up, but sometimes you can get a lot of saves out of this guy in these last couple of games have probably been league winning for the people, well, league winning, week winning for the people who had him for those games.
0: Huge, huge production in the cup full, especially where volume is prided upon and wins are not as important. Um, but Gibson has seen like a ton of volume. The last time, Gibson faced fewer than 39 shots on goal, 39 shots on goal and played a full game was against Dallas on January 4th. So it's now basically been two months since Gibson has seen a semi-reasonable workload. Since then, Gibson is averaging like 45 shots against per start, which is insane. And what's cool is that he's been a 903 goalie in that stretch, which is not far off the league average of 906 right now and in his... February games, John Gibson has had a 915 save percentage in seven outings. So he is doing he, he's doing great with the volume he's seeing. Uh, I feel bad for him still, like we talked about him last time, right? I mean, I don't feel so bad for him. He's got it pretty good. But like he goes in every net, every night, knowing he's gonna get shelled. Maybe that's fun for him. It's a fun little challenge. Like there's no stakes or pressure. Maybe he's got it pretty good. And he lives in Anaheim. That's got to be a pretty decent place to be.
1: I'm sure he'd like a chance to go for a cup at some point.
0: At some point, well, he's going to have to wait till uh, the clock runs out a little longer on his contract. Right? Yeah. He's got a kind kind of a big one for another little while. Uh, four more years at six point four million dollars.
1: Like the thing is, Anaheim actually has like a really good pipeline of prospects coming in, like for defensemen specifically. They have Minchukov and Zellweger, who I know people are into. They also have. Jamie Drysdale, of course, who's now injured. So, like, theoretically, we could have three, like, really awesome defensemen coming in starting next year to start helping him. So maybe he does not have to wait his whole contract for Anaheim to be good because I think that would make a big difference. Uh, but right now, yeah, it's 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 pretty bleak. Uh, okay, Brian. Okay, one more defenseman, Brian. What happened to Jake Sanderson? He came back for the Sens, and Sanderson had two straight no points and no shot games. Like, I, he was on this nice run. Then he got hurt. A lot of people stashed him, were excited for him to come back and kind of continue this run. And not only did he not get points, nothing, like, no shots. So is it time to... Do you just drop him now? If you held him, you know, in your IR, you're excited for him to come back and now he did nothing. This is like not the Duclair experience so far, right? It's been nothing, but maybe, you know, it could be the kind of thing where maybe he's just, you know, needed a couple games to shake off the rust and then you'll drop him and then the next game he'll be great again. So I'm curious, if you had him, would you give him another game or two or would you tell him to hit the road?
0: Yeah, th- this was just one of the possible outcomes for Jake Sanderson. I would tell him to hit the road, although he does play Monday and Tuesday against Detroit. So maybe hold on to him for two games. If he's already on your roster, or try him out. Like Jake Sanderson is not a production machine in basically any format, but I still think the upside and potential for him to do that is there. So you could still take a shot on him at any given moment. I, I, I find him similar Elon to like Owen power through this year where like you're adding a guy on a team that has the capacity to score goals, but doesn't always, you know, do a whole lot on the score sheet, but could if, uh, if, if everything works out for him and he plays defense which is a reason you know depending on how thin your options are but that's mm-hmm. it that's it for jake sanderson it's not like a huge bummer because expectations weren't that high that he was going to come out of this injury and produce yeah for oh, sure. also just before uh, sorry i you were about to continue but just going back to anaheim did you mention ryan Strom in his opportunity with henrik out
1: I did not mention it. Yeah, Henrik is out long-term. Strom has been on the top power play and the even-strength line with Trevor Zegras and actually Jacob Silferberg, who I was like yesterday when I was recording Matchup Maximizer, I was kind of going through the teams with good schedules and sorting by percent rostered. And then I saw that Silferberg is on this line and I was like looking to mention him. And I at Yahoo, he wasn't even on the first page on Yahoo for Anaheim, sorting by percent rostered because Silferberg is zero percent rostered. <laughs> like I did believe he's fallen far. So that he might be the most valuable Valuable zero percent rostered player for next week in fantasy, Jacob
0: Silverberg. But
1: yeah, anyways, I don't know how long he's going to last there. But yeah, Strom. I'd rather Ryan Strom. Who, <laughs> yeah, I'd like, rather Ryan Stroms on the yeah, top power play.
0: Yeah, top power play, like big opportunity. We've seen Strom produce when he plays with like top end producers in a top end role, and he hasn't had that opportunity really in Anaheim yet. So this is a chance. I'm not expecting it to be like a locked in success, but he already had two assists in his first game playing extra extra with extra responsibilities because of Henrik's injury. I think Henrik being out is good news for Ryan Strom.
1: Yeah, definitely. I would definitely add him to the watch list at least and Anaheim has 3 off-day games next week. IIRC so that could be pretty good you know if you have a player that's playing tuesday thursday saturday only and he'll be on your bench all three of those games you'd probably prefer ryan Strom. you'd probably prefer anybody uh okay uh also in ottawa though going back there kevin weeks tweeted who's been pretty reliable right he seems like a good source uh we don't generally talk about trade rumors but i'll just mention this kevin weeks tweet uh, saying keep an eye on cam talbot who is drawing interest in the market as a capable well-conditioned trusted veteran brian you were talking about some teams that might be interested in vay maybe like you know obviously the price for talbot would be a lot less since he's a pending ufa and he's older and not as good anyways if the Sens trade Cam Talbot that would be pretty huge for Sogard right because Forsberg is gone for a long time with his injury so Mad Sogard who's been pretty good since coming up he just won that game against Montreal might be time to jump on Mad Sogard especially if you're already in the playoffs you don't have to worry about like next week because I think Talbot's coming back and might get a game or two but Ottawa like you said plays Monday Tuesdays you could get Sogard and get one of those games remember last year Anton Forsberg was like a fantasy playoff MVP. He came in, played all the games for Ottawa, and was insane. Wouldn't it be fun if this year Mad Sogard takes the mantle and does the exact same thing? I think it's possible.
0: It is. That would be fun, and it is possible. Sogard has done reasonably well in his starts so far for Ottawa, and you're right. He is just a trade, and what feels like a likely trade away. I think the probably the biggest... Um, issue with the sense trading Talbot is that no team would be that interested in him given what he's done this season like it it hasn't been that exciting and maybe Ottawa is going to ask for too much but Sogard has started four times three of those starts have been quality he has a 919 save percentage he's given up 11 goals over uh, four outings in a bit he's won three of his four decisions, and he the other one was an OT loss. So this is a guy who would be valuable if you are desperate for goalies down the stretch, especially if volume is more of a priority over wins. Because we're not, we're still not sure. It depends on how Ottawa behaves at the deadline. Um, but you know, you, you're not looking at a, a lot of locked in wins here from the Sens goaltender. But if Talbot goes, and Sogard's value definitely goes up.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I should mention Andy is saying in the chat here. Yeah. Sorry. I missed it. Uh, uh, Talbot already has returned. and has played a game. He uh, lost to Carolina. He led in three goals on 29 shots, uh, but this is no, against Carolina. We, we all game. lose to Carolina. Yeah. We, we all lose. Um, yeah. So I guess now Brian, I wanted to get into the outries. Oh, by the way, you said that no one might want uh, like Talbot. How about this? Here's a pretty good deal. I think we talked about LA. They need like, like Ottawa has, I think enough cap space to take Jonathan quick for the rest of this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. So how about just Ottawa takes Quick, sends Talbot, and then also LA sends Ottawa like a second-round pick. That seems like a pretty fair deal for both sides, right? Yeah. I, I think, think Talbot's pr- better than Quick. That's,
0: that's a pretty good deal. for Like, for LA, they should be sending the second just to get rid of Quick.
1: Well, so, but and Ottawa, not, not whatever. also
0: Quick. receive a goalie.
1: Well, but, uh, you know, Quick's going to be a UFA at the end of the year, so it's not so desperate to get rid of him. But, yeah, so fine. Send a second and a third there. We're negotiating here, that's how you'd make a trade, I'd assume, in the NHL. Uh, okay, Brian, I want to do some outreach. We have four goalies who have come off the IR recently or will soon. So, the will soon is, is Thatcher Demko, who they we keep seeing tweets that he's going to be back soon. In the meantime, Archer Silovs uh, has had three straight games, letting in only two goals uh, for the Canucks. So, he seems to be beating out Colindelia for the backup job, and so, uh, good for him. But maybe you know, there's not too much to say about him because Thatcher Demko could be back. Uh, I don't know if we're so excited about Demko because v- Vancouver hasn't been very good this year, but I'm sure if you have him and you've had him in your IR this whole time, you're excited to you know get something out of him. Uh, also on Vancouver, I'll mention that uh, they traded for Vitaly Kravtsov. They gave a guy named Lockwood. They're getting Kravtsov, who was a first round pick who hasn't really panned out on the Rangers. Uh, I guess you mentioned, Brian, that you're interested in Gurianov going to Montreal. Is, is it similar for you with Kravtsov going to Vancouver or are you more like, confident that kravtsov is just going to continue to be nothing
0: no i i would say uh i don't know if i'm more confident i'm so low on both of guryanov and kravtsov right i don't want to give the impression that i was really high on Goryanov. just an interesting like he's someone who could use a change of scenery kravtsov definitely uh it's crazy how little he commanded on the market which isn't a great sign for me uh, but it will be nice to see i mean beauvilliers Of course, he's playing with Pedersen, but he got a fresh start in Vancouver and it's gone pretty decently for him. So we'll see if Kravtsov can capitalize with an opportunity here, too. It'll be nice to at least see the guy in action and I assume in decent deployment opportunities, which just has not happened as a Ranger. So just as like a a hockey fan and watcher, I am excited to hopefully get to know a little bit more about the player Kravtsov is.
1: Yeah, if you look at the Canucks lines in their last game, Kuzmenko, Pedersen, Beauvillier, that probably holds. Garland, Miller, Besser, let's say that holds. So maybe like Krasov could make a bottom six spot like instead of like a Sheldon Drees or I don't know whatever so I don't know if he's gonna be like interesting for fantasy but yeah I'm curious to see if he can get some games in and, and do something uh okay so yeah Demko's gonna be back uh Tristan Jari is back he's been good though really the big story out of uh Pittsburgh lately is definitely Evgeny Malkin holy cow and by the way Pittsburgh just destroyed Tampa seven to three today uh Brian Elliott, Brian Elliott was in net. yeah yeah and he led in all seven goals like Vasilevsky just had this an insane game where he stopped, it was like 50 saves or something like Vasilevsky stood on his head stole a win for Tampa so they were like I don't care Elliot like this is your job to let uh, Vasilevsky rest so you just stay there and yeah and uh, Evgeny Malkin another game with a goal and an assist he's been like really hot lately so uh, I think we talked about him recently so we don't need to dive into Malkin and yeah obviously uh, Tristan Jari looking good there was actually DeSmith in today and he didn't even do that well but he didn't need to because Pittsburgh scored seven goals uh, then we have on Vegas Aiden Hill is apparently going to be back soon Laurent Brassois had a big game yesterday for the Golden Knights so I think we're looking at an open competition and if. If I were to guess right now, this is just obviously a, a gut feeling. I think I'd take Brosseau as the goalie on Vegas that I'd want over Aiden Hill. Uh, so that, I'm just throwing that out there as Would a goalie like situation to, say, to watch.
0: Do you want to add like reasons, like supporting evidence, uh-huh. or like you're I just guess saying. just Broussois's, Like you know,
1: he obviously started the year injured, then had to go to the minors because Vegas was doing fine with Hill and Thompson, and Brosseau did fine in the minors. He got called up and now he's like been playing well. Like you said, Vegas is winning games lately. I just don't see why like a Brossois was the guy who was supposed to be the backup going into the year, right? It was supposed to be Leonard and Brossois. They only traded for Hill because Brosois was injured. Uh so yeah, I just that's just my feeling. But like, with yeah. goalies, it's like I could say anything. like who knows at the end of the who day Who
0: knows? Yeah. I'm not sure either of these guys is gonna be like the starter the rest of the way like like you said open competition but I think it's a competition that neither of them might win they both have played really well in two of their last three starts so Vegas has got to be pretty happy about that and uh, I'm curious to see how they'll split the workload if they will try and lean towards one guy more than the other and wait until they falter Um, but Elon I will go with you just in in the sense that Boursois is the less known entity maybe he can get on a run and you know, not end up being like terribly inconsistent. Like Aiden Hill's had enough kicks at the can here and uh has never really been able to do well enough for long enough to stick. But I will say in his last six appearances, uh he has a nine nineteen save percentage and a four and one record. Pretty good. Yeah. I mean we were just talking about Mad Sugard and saying basically the the same thing <laughs> the same numbers for him and saying yeah he could be interesting. So Aiden Hill Aiden Hill doing surprisingly well, let's say. in Brassois, we don't know exactly what to expect. So I expect to see some back and forth still until one goalie messes up.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. It's like, probably neither of them are going to get the volume. So, guard, I'm interested in because of Talbot's traded. It's just like, it's him and Manderley's.
0: So. Yes. Uh, then,
1: uh, I guess, speaking of Vegas, they did make a trade. They've now acquired Ivan Barbashev. And you know what? Barbashev hasn't been, like, too special in St. Louis. But I see some openings here. Like, specifically, I'm wondering where Barbashev's going to slot in because it's been Eichel, Marcheseau, and Cotter on the top line. And as, like, decent as Cotter has been, I don't think he's supposed to be a top liner on Vegas. So I'm definitely going to be watching those lines. And if Barbashev ends up slotting in with Eichel and Marge, so this could be another Bovillier situation of a guy that just like right away goes to his new team, gets a top line spot and maybe gets going. So add him to your watch list and yeah, you're just gonna to have to watch game day lines and see how things check out.
0: I'm going to throw another Vegas name out there to you to watch. And that's Michael Amadio. We're looking at him again. He was playing on the second line with William Carlson and Riley Smith but also on the top power play unit in Vegas's last game, and he's uh he's not I it's not enough to be a run, but he has a goal and an assist, two points in his last two games, and five shots on goal. One of those points came on the power play, and. Just to repeat, he is on the top unit. So uh, Vegas with a good schedule. And I'm actually frustrated. Like, I was looking at Amadio as, like, maybe a deep ad in one of my leagues. And now that Barbashev's in the picture, I actually don't know what that does to the lines. Like, should I be interested? So I'm going to have to wait for a Vegas practice, I guess, tomorrow morning to be able to react to this. But I would, yeah, I think it's not a bad idea to keep an eye on what the Vegas lines are because there might be some value to be found.
1: Okay, and then I'll mention that Chris Drieger is healthy for Seattle. They waived him he cleared waivers this is just what like what happened with brossois right i think brossois could have been claimed by another team no one wanted him uh drieger still has another 3.5 year on his contract remember he had that good year with florida and then he was ufa and seattle signed him as like i think their first goalie right but then they realized that grubauer was available and so they signed him so drieger became the backup both of them stunk last year that's the story drieger now here he's healthy uh but of course now seattle already has a backup in martin jones but martin jones is a ufa and also he's been pretty weak lately though i think today. Today, uh, Grubauer, well, it was against Toronto. Toronto really just like went to town on Seattle. They won five to one. Grubauer started, got pulled. Martin Jones came in and actually did okay. It was, my guess is Driedger stays in the minors for the rest of the year, unless there's an injury. Now that he's cleared waivers uh, for next year, he could be good. So I don't even know, like if there's much to say, you know, fantasy wise here, but just wanted to point it out that Driedger is back and maybe next year he'll be someone worth looking at
0: yeah I think that's probably the extent of what there is to say, which is seems like there's like it's the extent of what there is to say about anyone in Seattle, right? Um, I was trying to look at the forwards for the upcoming week. They have a couple good off nights, like a decent schedule for the Kraken and uh they're such a streaky team, and I'm just trying to see like do I want any of them? This happens every time Seattle has a good schedule, and i've I've settled on that McCann, Eberly, and Beniers like i I'll take one of those guys. And then everybody else is super dicey. gourd is on a decent line and joining those three on the top power play unit. Um, but like such a streaky team. Patty, uh, who I think at the end of every episode, our, our first ever patron, mentioned that like I think she was talking she was talking about the team with the with the players who've been added and dropped the most times. I think she was mentioning Nashville as potential because of like Grenland and Tommy Novak and Niso Parson and
1: probably Johansson.
0: Johansson, yeah. And I threw out Seattle and Philly too. It's just these teams where like you never know where the offense is gonna come from. And you're just like constantly buying like Fowler, like constantly buying lotto tickets and seeing if you hit gold.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, the Short Shifts guys brought up Vince Dunn on last week's show. Uh, I think this was the show that was Jeremy and Shams' first show together. Uh, Good job for both of them, by the way. Really exciting to see uh, two new podcast hosts now doing a show, even like uh, with all of us vets sitting on the bench and letting the rookies go. And they were amazing. So now now we've got more vets on the Keeping Carlson roster. Anyways, they brought up Vince Dunn. Actually, now I'm thinking maybe Vince Dunn was on the show with Lewis. But anyways, uh, Dunn was uh, cold. Since then, he had, like I think, a two-goal game. And now today, the Seattle, like I said, lost 5-1. to But Dunn did score the one goal for Seattle. So he's good again. So definitely, Brian, of the guys you mentioned, I'm assuming you're also going to include Vince Dunn as someone that you'd be happy to have. And you were just talking about forwards.
0: Yeah, ish. I think uh, we had a question also on our server. Somebody was asking, oh, yeah, they asked Matheson or Vince Dunn for the rest of the season. And for me, that wasn't easy. Mike Matson, like, done, like when he's hot, like, holy cow, is he hot? But just like the rest of the Kraken, like he's either helping you a lot or doing absolutely nothing, and I find that frustrating.
1: Hmm. I think it, I think it'll probably be close, to be honest. Like I don't, yeah. See oh, that it could
0: very well difference. be close. Yeah, but yeah. okay. Well, here's like a philosophical question: Do you want the guy giving, like, you know, who whose average is pretty evenly? Sp- I'm not saying this is going to be the case between the two, but based on their patterns, it would be my hunch. Matt sin- do you want the guy whose production is spread pretty evenly through the rest of like the fantasy season? Or do you want the guy who like can absolutely win you a week because like they bust out huge for one week or like one week at a time and then go quiet and do nothing for you other weeks?
1: I think the second one, I think that like if you trust in your team and you think your team is good enough to you know make up for the slow weeks, I'll take the guy who could win me a week. I think because what if uh, you know I need well, to win that week?
0: Yeah. Well, maybe the average guy every week keeps you in matchups that you wouldn't otherwise. It's tough to but say. Yeah. I need yeah. to look at each week and see what I need that week.
1: I guess depends on close. But yeah, I, the the thing is, I don't know if it's going to be like that. Like maybe like, I still worry that Montreal is like playing over their head a bit. Like why are they scoring so many goals when all these guys are injured? Uh, so I wonder. Like I think that Seattle maybe should be more offensive, but who knows? Anyways, Brian. Man, I still have a whole section of hot and cold streak. The good thing is we have the short shifts guys, right? And so they're going to do two shows next week and they always have a streak section. So maybe we can throw some of them to short shifts. So Brian, how about I'm just going to name all the guys that I had on my list and then you could throw out any analysis you kind of wanted to throw out here. If you did any really good research here that you want to bring up, but like Seth Jarvis is on a super hot streak in Carolina. I wonder if now this is the time where it's finally like for real, kind of like Boak Fist, I was saying, you know, he's kind of let us down in the past, but maybe now's the time, like similar age that he's ready to really break out. Uh, Ryan Hartman is hot on minnesota anyone who grabbed him when he got this new run on the top line is obviously very happy uh Braden point i guess wanted to just bring him up because he's doing so well lately like point has been insane lately uh ryan o'reilly that line uh with o'reilly marner and Tavares has been great on toronto uh today though no points for o'reilly in toronto's five goals but he was like plus two so he was on the ice probably it's just a matter of happenstance that he didn't happen to get an assist on one of those goals uh kuznetsov was cold for washington but he's had a couple good games lately. Uh, Washington does only play two games next week. So I was just curious to get your current take on Kuznetsov and whether I actually dropped him in the league that we're going into a matchup against each other. Uh, I ended up adding comfort and dropped in Kuznetsov because I wanted the four games over the two games. Uh, of course, then I felt a little bad about it when Kuznetsov had these two good games. Uh, also on Washington, Darcy Kemper, super cold. All of a sudden, he's been letting in more goals than we'd like to see. Speaking of cold goalies, Igor Shostyorkin, very cold lately, five goals against versus Washington on Saturday. Shostyorkin is down to a nine Oh nine save percentage on the season C- season which is very surprising like he's he was drafted like as the top goalie in a lot of leagues or at least second behind vasilevsky if we were to do more goalies board like just predicting for next year i wonder if it's is still a tier one goalie or now it just has to be back to how it should have been vasilevsky and that's it because he's the only one we could for sure rely on to not go cold um anyway those are the guys oh Braden Chen's also cold so i don't know maybe pick one or two but we really got to get out of here
0: okay um Okay, I'm going to go in the, same, in the same order you said them. Seth Jarvis, eight consecutive oh, wow. games with three or more shots, five goals on 19 shots. So he's scoring on 25% of his attempts. It's probably not going to keep going that way. But it is, like you said, Elon, maybe this is the moment, and Carolina does have a good schedule this week. Ryan Hartman is a, a is a must-have, right? Whatever didn't click for him earlier this year is clicking now. Six points and 17 shots in his last five games. And uh, today against Columbus, Hartman's line... Uh, I'll call it his line, even though he's the least uh, impressive person on it. They won the shot battle 17 to 10 against Columbus and had 32 of 49 shot attempts uh, that took place while they were on the ice. So That's that's good. That's high pace also. Um, I'll also mention in that game, we should say that
1: it was Kirill Kaprizov that scored a hat trick, scored yes. all three goals in that game, <laughs> uh, all in the third period and overtime to take them back. So it was a very impressive game. And yeah, Hartman assisted on one of those goals.
0: OK, Braden Point, uh, you like, you know, he is approaching like career high numbers, which his previous career high 95 point pace came with a 21 and shooting percentage, which was unsustainable because he shot 40 percent on the power play this season. Guess what? Braden Point is currently shooting 20%. It's a little, the unsustainability is more spread between five on five, 19%, which is a few percentage points higher than usual, and 26% shooting on the power play. So we'll see if how uh, how far he can take this. It's not as absurd this time though, as it was the last time. Uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, he, you know, he's only shot 6% at five on five this year, which is about a half of where his usual percentage floor is. He's up with Ovechkin. He's still at the top power play unit, I think he is probably worth holding the rest of the way, even through a bad schedule. Um, It's been an unfortunate season for him, but I I see reason to believe that he deserves better than he's gotten. Uh, Kemper, yeah. I mean, they started him on the second half of the back-to-back. It didn't go well. He was frustrated. That's too bad. Hopefully he gets right. And Igor Shostyorkin, yeah, old old reliable here. Not so reliable. Or I should say young reliable. Um, This season... He's, been, he's played above average for most of it, um, but he's only had one real standout sequence, and most of that came in December. Uh, in the month of December, he had a 9.27 save percentage over 11 games. This So, so far in February, though, Shastorkin, um, and I'm, I'm only slicing these by splits, which are given by month. You can probably do it in a, in a more meaningful way another way, but just as a basic look, uh, in six February games, Shostorkin has an 8.52 save percentage. I get the sense... He's never, this has never happened to him before. So (laughs) I'm curious to see how he finds his way out of it. Because, you know, people like who've never struggled have a hard way finding their way out of a struggle once they get into one. So hopefully this is short lived and good thing for Shostyorkin that the Rangers are loading up in the meantime, doing what they can to make their team more competitive elsewhere. I assume he'll find his game. But yeah, very frustrating as a goalie who we thought we could rely on. But suddenly uh cannot and elon there is my full rundown on i think all the players you mentioned or the good deal to them
1: uh, all right well up to the short shifts guys to come up with new content then <laughs> i thought <laughs> i guess we'll have to see what happens monday tuesday uh that was great brian this was so much fun thanks to everyone who joined us in the chat i hope you like the show thanks for everyone who listened to the episode anyone who's listening to keeping carlson episodes at the end of february you are true fantasy fans because our numbers go down around this point you know all the you know people who are super stoked at the beginning of the year then quickly fall off. Kind of like people who make New Year's resolutions to lose weight and then all of a sudden the gym memberships start going down as the year goes on and the room gets emptier. That's kind of how it is for Fantasy Hockey podcasts. So we really appreciate those of you who are still with us fighting to get into your championships and I, you know, I'm even more thankful to people who are like losing and are already out of it and are still listening because they just uh, enjoy our content. So thank you very much. If you want to help us out, we have a few ways uh, starting from you know subscribing to the podcast. That's the easiest thing you could do. A little bit harder is you could give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. That definitely helps. If you really want to go above and beyond, you can become a patron of Keeping Carlson. We've got a great community going over on Discord and a bunch of other perks. So check it out at keepingcarlson.com slash patron. Uh, but with that, Brian, I'm ready to cue that outro music. So now it's playing. And why don't you go ahead and read us the credits.
0: Alright, thanks for clarifying that the music is playing. I appreciate it. This episode of the Keepin' Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters, Adam, Aaron, Tyler, Ivan, Andrea, Tom, Ryan, Derek, David, Rob, Ricard, and of course, Patty. Uh, thank you to Kevin A. Bear and our team of co-commissions for keeping the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League going smooth. We've just, like, we're replacing managers who've like been like, this is enough for me. I'm, uh, I can't keep up with my team that's cool we replace you we try and keep everybody active so uh competition is fair from start to finish in the league so thank you to kevin and all our co-commissions who are keeping an eye on that kkupfl.com for more info on the league thank you uh shams and elon for all the great stuff at gamedaytweets.com including the newest news feature Holy cow, mind-blowing stuff. Very exciting, and I think there's even more developments in the offing. Thanks to our team of Short Shifts hosts, Lewis, Jeremy, and Champs. Can't wait to hear what you guys have to say this week. Logo, art by brandonweave.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Stat, Trick, Evolving Hockey, Cap, Friendly, The Athletic, HockeyGoldies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Biz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and Yahoo! great
1: job as always brian And if anyone's listening at 1.5 speed there's no way they were able to follow oh that's okay it's the credits who's listening at this point thanks again everyone looking forward to talking to you at the next mega show next week and in the meantime brian what should we do as we watch this exciting trade deadline develop
0: please make sure you're doing all you can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone